Welcome to the Farm Team Podcast, presented by HockeyAI.tech. I'm your host, Elliot Sheen. I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge that this episode was recorded in Calgary, Alberta, on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nations, which includes the Siksika, the Pekani, the Kainai, and we also acknowledge the Sutina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, the Métis Nation, and all the people who make their homes in the Treaty 7 region of Southern Alberta. Thank you. In today's episode of the Farm Team Podcast, I'm honored to be joined by the 14-year NHL veteran and now owner and CEO of Barrow Inc., Andy Sutton. Vibero is an innovative hockey equipment and apparel company that specializes in custom-designed high-end protective gear at a price point suitable for players of all ages and skill levels. Born and raised in London, Ontario, Andy worked his way through the minor hockey system and graduated to, to the junior ranks at the age of 16. During his junior career, Andy earned a scholarship to play for the Division I Michigan Tech University in the WCHA. Entering his senior year, the six-foot-seven power forward moved back to the blue line where he put up record numbers and was awarded the WCHA Defensive Player of the Year. Upon graduating with a degree in environmental engineering, Andy entered NHL free agency with an impressive contract offer from 14 different teams. Debuting with the San Jose Sharks in the 98-99 season, Andy's tour of duty took him to seven different NHL clubs during his 670-game career and retired as an Edmonton Oiler in the 2013 season. Andy's successful NHL career is a product of hard work and resiliency. His leadership skills and understanding of team dynamics have given him a tremendous skill set to apply to his next venture with Fibero Inc. Be bold, be different. And with that, Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Elliot. I appreciate it. See, it's crazy to, to hear your life <laughs> condensed in a couple of paragraphs, but uh, nonetheless, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, you've done a few other podcasts, so I had a chance to kind of listen in <laughs> on some of those. And obviously, you're a big talker, so it's you know, nice to have a guy like yourself on the pod and you know, share some of that insight. Yeah, it's it's fun, you know. It's it's um it's pretty cool now to 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 go back and and kind of uh, you know reconnect to my life that I lived there. And while you're in it, you're you're so immersed, you don't see the forest for the trees. And now being on the other side of it, it's it's fun to uh, go back and tell a few stories here and there. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, some of the fans of the podcast are Alberta based, so I'm sure they're familiar with you. Not so much here in Calgary, but up north in Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just wanted to kind of get into environmental engineering. Was that something that you know? What got you into that, and was it uh, something that you kind of still follow along today? Well, I, you know, I, uh, I originally went in and, and started as uh, with a degree in biology because I had intentions to go to medical school when I was done. I, I, the only career I really saw myself doing outside of probably being a hockey player was being a family doctor. And I've been, uh, I've been extremely ambitious and hard, never really shied away from hard work. So I, you know, when someone told me I could, I could go to medical school with an engineering degree, I thought, oh, well, that sounds better. So. I've always been an outdoorsman. I love I love to fish and camp and, and hike and stuff. So I thought, what a what a nice you know place to spend time to to learn how to you know how to care for for the environment a little better. And um, so I, I spent uh, you know the bulk of my four years there at Tech uh, studying environmental engineering and and um, haven't used a shred of it since I left. But it, it definitely uh, you know that critical thinking that I think you 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 know you achieved through you know post secondary education and then really you know engineering sort of paramount in that you know you, you've got to you've got to work through some some pretty incredible parameters to get to the end result so I, I I think that's helped me in my life in general for you know problem solving purposes and definitely I apply a lot of my engineering mindset towards um, you know my businesses and 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 certainly you know pro the products that I that I work on with Rivero. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And like you said, with, you know, enjoying the outdoors and understanding the way the environment works and if you can engineer it to work for yourself and, you know, it's a perfect situation. So I'm sure that you have your, the house here you're at now, the piece of property, you have, you have some rainwater collection or innovative ways to keep yeah, house no, we, we relocated to uh, just outside Nashville, Tennessee here in, uh, during the, the pandemic. And we had a homestead in California and yep. we were at uh, 80 mature fruit trees and we were growing all of our own vegetables and had a greenhouse. So uh, the one condition I, I had to be able to move my California based uh, wife here was that I put the farm back together. So we, uh, we built, fenced the property, built a bunch of pastures. The animals all came with us. We raised new chickens all the way from chicks in our bathtub and they're going to start laying eggs in about a month or so, which is pretty exciting. And then we're putting together all of the uh, infrastructures to support the growth of our, of our fruits and vegetables here in Tennessee, including, including, including rainwater collections. It rains a heck of a lot here for sure. Yeah, I know. That's so cool. We could do a podcast on, on the environment, I'm sure for, for a full hour, but um, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome that you're, you're able to do those kind of things and um, kind of lead the way with that. And that, that engineering background kind of provided that, um, provided you with an opportunity then to take that, the products that you guys are working with Vibero and do some more product research and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there was, that's probably like a twofold thing, you know, I think being analytical and then, you know, having an understanding maybe of like, you know, construction and, and even, you know, intrinsic strength, you know, flexibility, you know, aerodynamics, all that stuff that I studied at school and then sort of applying that very practically to, you know, the time I spent playing Right. And then, you know, I, I, I miss more games due to injury over the course of my you know 15 years um, than, than any other player during that time period. And and I played the game very much a certain way, you know, definitely, you know, blocked a lot of shots and, and invariably, you know, was was injured all the time. You know, I had 14 years over span. I, I was in an air cast, you know, probably more than I was in a dress shoe, um, you know, endless amounts of fractures and, and different things that I played through or, or, or didn't. Um, yeah. So it was a. It was really a bread of necessity to, you know, to try to, you know, find a way to come back and, and protect myself in areas that, that were, uh, that were injured. And, um, you know, I've, I've applied that, all of that really to, to Verbero and, and the way, the ways in which I and, and we in turn think about, uh, about protection. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's get more into that, uh, into more in depth into that here in a second. Um, just kind of, let's kind of quickly cruise through your junior uh, experience i mean back in the, the late 90s early 2000s uh, it's the landscape has changed quite a bit uh since then um but you know for you your experience you played junior b for the first uh, your first junior career team and then moved on to junior a uh, was ncaa kind of on the forefront of your mind or was it more you know place to play and see what kind of happens from there yeah, I mean, I was I was a late bloomer. I mean, I was definitely late to the party. I didn't make my midget midget AAA club. Um, I was going through like a really weird growth spurt around that time in my life, and uh, uh, you know, I in retrospect, you know, it was an in interesting move because I ended up playing junior B in a in a small town in in uh, in Ontario, uh, Gananoque, and and when I went in there as a 16 year old, I was the youngest player on the team by far. You know, playing with guys with mustaches and jobs was crazy, and and uh, but they really took me under their wing, and and um, I had a great coach there, Wolf Johnson, and he he really um, really taught me a lot, and I think I got a lot of confidence from that time, and and playing against you know men really, you know, and, and cutting my teeth there, and and learning what what it was what it was like to play that way, um, sort of led me to this uh, summer league that I that I played in, I think as a 
as an 18 year old, you know, finishing uh, grade 12. And, and back then I still, you know, you still had thir grade 13. So I had another year of school left and I played in the summer league. And um, I still remember the first game, this, this guy came and picked a fight with me and, and uh, I, abs I absolutely annihilated him. Right. And <laughs> at a tournament where all of the other teams were, were watching the games, right. And they watched that game and nobody came within five feet of me, the rest of the, the rest of the tournament. I think I ended up winning like, you know, top scorer in the tournament or whatever. And I, I got a chance through that tournament. Uh, Dave Barrett was there and Dave at the time was the coach of, of the St. Michael's buzzers, which at the time, you know, there and, and probably Wexford were the two places in the world where you would go to, if you wanted to try to, you know, get seen and to get a scholarship. So I thought that would be super cool. So I, I went and played at St. Mike's, went to school there for my grade 13 year. And, uh, lo and behold, I was fortunate enough to, to get a, get a scholarship and, and, uh, that led me to tech and same thing there. Like I, you know, I, I had, uh, you know, relatively lackluster first couple of years and kind of um, figured out a way after, you know, switching back to defense to, to sort of, you know, figure out a way to make, make that uh, make sense. And then my senior campaign kind of everything I touched uh, worked and, and from there kind of just led to everything NHL related. Yeah, absolutely. Was it something that you can look back on now and kind of figure out what that uh, big jump was for you? Uh, you know, going from, you know, the first three years to that last year where you put up pretty good numbers for for a d-man is there anything that like in the, during the offseason or anything that changed or did you grow more well this is what and i talk to young athletes all the time about this because it's like everyone's like well what did you do what was the training what was this what was that and i always train hard i always yeah. tra I always train really hard i work really hard and i think almost every you know elite athlete especially today trains really hard um and i've had these experiences in my life time and time again where ultimate success has always come off the heels of these moments where you sort of like let go, you let go of like attachment to result and you focus on process, you focus on presence, right? Being present and being, uh, being still in each moment and then not not going too far into the future or too far into the past because the, you know the past is regret remorse you can't do anything about it and the future is is really uh is really fear and anxiety if you think about it anytime you think about the future if it's not like a positive thought it's always fear anxiety based so you know both experiences looking you know forward or backward is really detracting from your ability to be omnipresent and be able to be able to uh you know give unto the experience that you're having in the present moment so that was the first time I really realized that and I had multiple times throughout my career in the NHL where I had to have a pep talk with myself and really just let go and, and trust my instincts and and um, I've, every time that I've been met with that um, confrontation I've always when I've been able to do it I've been able to come out the other side and realize that it's it's something that really works. Absolutely. That's a great lesson then you know it's nothing really changes you just continue to do those daily uh, good habits and, you know, put, put work in knowing that the process is, you know, what the journey is all about. So, and then you finally have good results and it's kind of accumulation of all those uh, good behaviors and details that you're, you're paying attention to. It is, you know, and, and if you're not, if you're not present, and I believe that in general, like these things, we have these things that come across our, our plates and in our lives on an, almost on a daily basis, these guiding, these guiding fundamentals that tie into, that should tie into like inevitably, invariably where we're trying to go. And if we're not, if we're not capable to receive them, they pass us by and we miss them. And it's like, it's like sliding doors or forks in the road, then you're on a different path. And if you think about it from that regard, like, you know, that's why they always say time is everything because it, 
it, it truly is and it's timing is everything and but they don't they don't tell you that it's relative to your ability to receive the information and then do something about it it's weird hey like when things kind of work for you it's like it seems like it's weird timing but at the same time it's like you've prepared yourself for this time and moment and you know if that if it comes you have to capitalize on that opportunity so uh yeah, yeah, I know it, it, yeah go ahead. it really is i mean it really just is i mean i don't i don't know if you if you uh you know adhere to any of uh, gallon watts teachings or not but i mean he he talks about you know the, the power of presence and the power of now and, and he's been you know he, he orates it probably better than anybody else that I've that I've come across and it's mm-hmm. like there's so much there's so much power and peace in in your ability to be still and be present in your experience absolutely that's some of the things that we've been a common theme here on the podcast just hearing different people talk about living in the moment staying in the moment and you know especially nowadays there's just so many so much anxiety out there for everyone that it's it's hard to do to stay in the moment but it's the only thing you really can control so if you can do it you, you got to do it so uh, okay, so a big question here, and you know, you kind of went through two of these situations where, uh, in college, you know, a lot of guys will, like myself, anyways, is I didn't play afterwards. So I, you know, throughout my four years of college, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do after that 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 uh, final year. So, you know, the leaving the game, pursuing and in, going into the workforce, and that kind of decision had to be made. Was there a common theme or, um, amongst your team and for you especially uh, about what was next? Yeah, I mean. I could go on and on about this for hours. I mean, you know, it's uh, that loss of identity um, is, is it's monumental. It really is. It, it, you know, we, we, as, as players, whether you play a long time in the NHL or you play through college and you stop the, your identity, your identity has been forged and, and your, you, the way you think, the ways in which you think about things are, are, are so, um, so ingrained within you that, you know, stepping into the real world, which is, which is very different than the, the world that an athlete lives in um, is a real adjustment. And then you really have to get to know yourself again. You, but first you have to be able to define the variables that have changed. Yeah. And then from there, you have to be able to implement that in a, in a positive way into your life. So, you know, I, I went through struggles, certainly. I mean, it was, it was no picnic, you know, and, and there was a lot, there were a lot of things that occurred in that time for me that, that, uh, you know, were, were dark for sure. And, and there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty and, um, you know, you can, optimism can only carry you so far at the end of the, at the, at a certain point, there's gotta be some, there's gotta be some tangibility like, and because all of, all of us athletes share one thing in common, in my opinion, we have a high degree uh, of work ethic. We have a high, we're capable of a high degree of intensity. And then we're used to a rhythm of that, of that intensity and the ups and downs that, that you sort of cascade through. Um, and in that, like those things, you need, a, you need a vehicle to be able to put that in your life after sport. So you need that thing that gets you out of bed, that drives you, motivates you, inspires you, um, compels you, and then you can apply all of your work ethic and intensity uh, onto that. And then that's really, you know, the, the time when you've sort of, you know, rebirthed yourself, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, I, it speaks right to me when I put myself back in the 2012 days of graduating. So, uh, but, you know, obviously you, went on to bigger and better things coming out of uh, college. So, you know, if you didn't get a lot of success throughout your career until that final year, um, and then you have 14 NHL teams knocking at your door, that must have been a, a pretty awesome experience just for your self-confidence and, you know, kind of showing that all the work that you put in previously is now kind of paying off and you have a new new path to, to go down. 
Yeah. And then, you know, there was that senior campaign at school. It was a point in time. I just, you know, I took the bull by the horns and I just said the hell with it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it all out there and see what happens is not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to not succeed because I, because I didn't impart myself fully, you know, without, without, uh, without reservation. Um, you know, so good, bad, or indifferent. I think you've got to, you've got to, you've got to do things with authenticity. You can't try to be somebody else or do something the way somebody else does. You've got to live it through the ways that speak to you. And, and I did that and I, I just kept parlaying that, you know, throughout my career. And there were some reinventions in there, certainly like to, to survive as and I say survive, because that's really what it is to survive as long as I did in that league. Um, is, is, is the hardest thing, you know, because there's always a younger version coming up trying to take your position. And, um, you know, the injuries are, they compound and, and you've just gotta, you've gotta be, a, you've just gotta fight every step of the way. And then you've got to have ultimate faith in your abilities and you've got to take no prisoners. I mean, you've just, you just have to, you just have to take it. You've just got to go out and take it and take it and take it again and take it again and reclaim it and fight for it. I mean, it's the only way, it's the only way to make it, you know, and then the underbelly of that is work is your work ethic. I mean, you've got to just, you have to just outwork everybody unless you're like some kind of phenom talent. And even then like great talent only takes you so far. Great talent that works hard is the talent that sustains. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of going off of that, you know, working hard and fighting your way through uh, big supporters of the, uh, the pod here is uh, the Sutton or the Sutter family out here in Alberta. And I listened to the Chicklets uh, podcast he had, you know, Daryl Sutter kind of was a instrumental guy and kind of saw that work ethic and you're cut from that same cloth as him. So, uh, you know, what was that experience like with Daryl and, um, you know, some of those early coaches that you had? Well, Daryl was, uh, Daryl was amazing, you know, and I, I, I was so young and and green that I probably didn't even 100 100% realize the environment that I was coming into you know with all these veteran players and I I had a sort of take no prisoners mentality but I can still remember I went down to Lexington Kentucky out of, out of school and, and they wanted me to go to the minor league and finish the season and and I and I I had this altercation with this guy and we fought and and uh, he got the better of me slightly and and so we got out of the box and I grabbed him again and and went right at him and I and I I didn't think much of it I was you know just doing what what felt natural to me and wanted to like you know stake a name for myself and after that season ended with Lexington the Sharks went to their playoff run so I got a chance to come up and be a black ace with the with the Sharks and. Um, the first time I came in and met Daryl face to face, he grabbed me and pulled me in and gave me a big hug. And he said, I heard what you did in that game. He's like, that's in absolutely incredible. That's the kind of stuff we need around here. Um, and he was that way, you know, he was um, talk about intense, you know, and I, I don't know if he was the same way throughout his coaching career. He may have subdued as, as things changed over time, but man, he was, he commanded of us and he was the first guy to go to bat for us. If like the media said something, he was uh he was an incredible coach and I, I feel so happy to have had that experience with him. For sure. Was it a relieving kind of experience for you knowing that, you know, you're doing something that this coach likes and, you know, it gives you that, the feedback of you, you can do that in this league. And, you know, if you continue to do it, you're going to do well for yourself. Yeah. I mean, he was the kind of coach you wanted, you wanted to please certainly, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, I remember back, I don't know if you'll listen to this, but he'll, he'll have a chuckle about this now, but he, uh, I can remember, I think I told this story on the, on the spit and chicklets podcast, but we had a, we said we had a bit of a losing streak and we had a drill to start practice and it was like a two on one tip drill. So me being the ambitious, you know, rookie player was going to be first in line. Right. So I come off the blue line and you take a snapshot and the two guys converge on the net for a tip and then 
around and come back two on one against the guy that shot it. And it kind of runs in a loop, right? And uh, so I start the drill. I go across the line for a stick, bust, right? And break it, break it right off. He takes, he's so mad, right? He takes my shaft, as I use shaft and blade back then, and he throws it up in the stands like 15 rows. Do it again, he says. So get another stick and do it again. So I grab another stick, come off the line. Like, I can't make this up. I bust the second stick. This time he's like, he's turning purple and he's like seething, right? He wants excellence. He wants us to like execute. He never kept us on the ice a long time, but he wanted us to execute. He throws it like 30 rows up and he's, he's foaming at the mouth. Do it again. And I can't, I literally can't make this up. The third stick breaks and he throws it like 55 rows up and he tells me to get off the ice. Right. And and I, so I don't know what to do. I'm a rookie. Daryl Sutter is kicking me off the ice in practice. I start to just like go towards the bench and a bunch of the, you know, we had amazing veterans there. I mean, Owen Nolan, Brian Marchman, Mike Ricci, you know, Murray Craven, Bernie Nichols. I mean, just like icons, you know, Mike Vernon. I mean, just unbelievable. So they all come over and they watch what's happening because I, unbeknownst to me, the veterans had all sawed the blades on my sticks they knew exactly what was going to happen so i mean it's just like one of these stories that's just iconic i mean you can't you can't make it up it'll never happen again um yeah. but that was the environment back then like rookies rookies were not handed everything in the late 90s i can assure you oh I, yeah some of those things that you're talking about the pranks that guys would pull like you know sewing sewing your dress pants shut or nailing the dress shoes to the ground like fuck. That, that, oh. that's all about building that that team character though too eh it was, you know, and then, and you weren't, you weren't handed anything back then. I mean, at yeah. that time, you know, on defense, there was, there was Brian Marchment, you know, Jeff Norton, we had Bob Rose, Gary Suter, I mean, Marcus Ragnarsson, Mike Rathke, you know, and I come in and Brad Stewart and I made the team out of camp. So we're like six, seven defensemen. Stewie was a phenom, right? So he's, yeah. he's going to play. So then I'm scrapping with, uh, you know, with guys that have been in the league, like, you know, 10, 15 years for, for a position, you know, on the squad. It was, it was uh, it was crazy. You know, I can remember Brian. I hit, I rubbed Brian Marchman out behind the net in practice one one day, and I turned up the ice. You know, thinking we're friends. We'd played together at this point. Like I think this was the start of the second season. So we played a whole season together. You know, we we I, we were what I thought were friends, and I started skating up the ice, and he busts, he breaks, and two hands me across the back of the calves. And by, before I could even turn around, I had I had his fist in my face, and we fell to the ice. And I was like, that was just how you sorted stuff out back then. Yeah. It was a different, you know. Yeah, here we go. Hey, fuck, that's great. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. Uh, it, I mean, within the boards, you know, it's a it's a game that you really have no friends and your teammates who you think are your, your friends. But you know, that's awesome. And the, the competition, some of the things you're talking about too, just with the cap and you couldn't enter free, unrestricted free agency until you're like 32. Like, there's a lot of different uh, things with the game back then than there is nowadays. So that's you know, it's it's incredible that you're able to, you know, sustain yourself for the 14 years. Obviously you had a ton of injuries and that led you to Verbero. And I kind of really want to highlight some of the things you guys are doing here. And um, I know it's a brand new market that is not a brand new market, but a, an opportunity that you guys have to break into this. And I personally believe changed the game with, uh, you know, the way equipment's handled and being injured for most of the time it's like you have to be able to protect your investment your play, the assets of the players on the team so you know having protective gear is debatably the most important thing i think in hockey at a pro level nowadays well yeah and you know so you know with Ver, with verbero it's it's a it's a long story i mean i can certainly condense it but like all roads lead to rome i i was working for a, a hockey company obviously i have my background in engineering and and time you know in the nhl and time in the game 
So I essentially had an opportunity to acquire that brand, um, yep. took the best bits from it, the best bits from, you know, the time I spent working as president for this other company, um, everything I learned about the game and cast it into Berbero. So Berbero has been around now, I think almost uh, 12 years and, you know, been in the NHL for several years with guys like Ken Atkinson in the past. So they, they had paid their dues and did some good stuff on product. Uh, cast some new product in there. Like we have the lightest stick on the market at 350 grams. We have the only full carbon fiber skate. We sell at player direct pricing to everybody. So we don't try to sell through wholesale to retail. We, we extend value to the end customer without compromising on quality. Uh, every product that I bring in, whether it's a quarter zipper, a hoodie or a stick or a skate um, has to pass, you know, the test for me to make sure that, that, I, that it's the top of the line. I don't want to do anything otherwise. Um, and then I want to extend that value and performance to the end customer. We created a um, proprietary software system that allows us to auto-generate team stores. So yep. as much as we're an equipment manufacturer, I bought an apparel manufacturing facility, and uh, we're, an, we're an apparel company. I mean, we game wear, custom bags, all of the off-ice apparel. Um, we, we do that full custom. We do it, we do it better than anybody. And uh, again, at, at amazing pricing because we work, you work directly with the manufacturer. Um, we obliterated the, the, the status quo on the sales structure. You know, we yep. created a territorialist system uh, and no exclusivity. So we let our reps sell anywhere to anybody. Uh, and we also let them build their own sub rep forces of which they can earn on those accounts. And then we tripled the industry standard commission rate. So all of these things have combined to create this sort of ecosystem. Um, and, and it's come at an amazing time, I think, with everybody sort of struggling uh, through COVID to try to, you know, figure out how to make our game, you know, more accessible. And I think all of these fronts are hitting at the same time. And we're really, um, we're really resonating with people and it, on the rep side, on the sales side, on the team side, association side. Um, and, and it's, it's been, uh, it's been the most wonderful journey. I can assure you. Oh, absolutely. And that's, I want to talk about that, the team store, cause I think that's a brilliant idea. Um, especially it, it can enhance your fundraising opportunities too. Right. And so in terms of the team store, if an organization has a, a website up and running right now, is it a plugin that can be added to that existing website or is it then still a standalone, um, link that you guys, uh, sell through? Sure. Yeah, so we can, we can uh, you know, typically we route them through. So it's like berbero.com forward slash like Chaminade. Like we built a store yep. for, for Chaminade. Um, you know, we built one for Hockey Calgary. People can check them out. It's just forward slash Chaminade or forward slash Hockey Calgary. But uh, essentially we like to host them through berbero.com because we can, we have a lot of tools in there that allow us yep. to track that. So we can, we can, you know, we, we, we auto pay all of our affiliates too. So we set up a, an auto pay structure for our affiliates. Um through the team store, we, we issue a credit back to the association on yeah. purchases through there. So in a lot of ways, like it's, it's in everybody's best interest to let us um, manage that uh, asset. At the same point in time, we have plugged into other people's networks, but it typically routes to us, routes yeah. back. So it, it, it forward facing, it looks like you're coming in from the partner site, but you're really, you're really in the Rivera.com extension. For sure. Yeah. So it's an easy integration to a minor hockey organization or, you know, even just teams in general. So, and I, I that's kind of the one thing of, you know, the, the credit or uh, giving back, you know, if you run a fundraising opportunity through apparel sales, that money kind of stays within the organization. And, you know, it's very easy to share that message out on social media too. So for example, in Lethbridge, like I would love to wear a Lethbridge Hurricanes, uh, not WHL, the, the midget programs are labeled that, but you know, it's as a former player out of there, it's like, you know, I don't, I don't know where to go to buy equipment or buy gear, I guess. So if there's team stores like that and plugins, it would be an awesome opportunity. And I know my money would be going back to, you know, something that I went through and, you know, I have a lot of pride in that. So. 
Well, if anybody listening, you know, wants to learn more about it, you can email me directly. It's just Andy at Verbero.com. Um, I obviously love to get you involved, Elliot. I think you'd be, you'd be perfect and it'd be a nice adjunct to what you're already doing with everything and um, Absolutely. look forward to continuing that conversation for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then I, I know you got to run here in a second. The other big opportunity that I do uh, see you guys have is the women's, the first women's only uh, hockey stick. You know, that's something that was a forgotten market until now. And to me, it makes so much sense. And, you know, that's a, a huge opportunity that you guys have. Well, you know, Verbero is hockey and we want to be known as a hockey brand. And, and on top of that, you know, the, the women's game has been overlooked for far too long. And, I, you know, I wanted to I wanted to address that very fundamentally. Um, you know, we created the first ever female, you know, custom stick design for Blake Bolden. Uh, we're working on several others for Bridget Laquette and Britt Howard and, and, and other girls. And, and we're, we're really excited to use that as a catalyst. And then, you know, we're, we're bringing the girls in as, as, as reps and affiliates. Um, you know, we're, we're bringing on, you know, female, uh, you know, female directed, you know, teams, leagues and associations through, through a lot of these girls and the rep force. And, uh, you know, this, eco this hockey ecosystem that we're creating has no boundaries, has no borders and, and really is completely inclusive. So we're, we're excited to see how this is all going to unfold. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's incredible hearing, hearing the story that you're, uh, you're taking over Ribeiro and seeing this major opportunity. So, and, you know, entrepreneurship's a big uh, big thing nowadays and if you take your skill set that you learned as an athlete and kind of apply it to this new world of unknowns you know every day you wake up you don't know what the hell is going on so you know being able to navigate those uncharted waters is uh, something that is you know a really good opportunity to learn a lot about yourself along the way so it really is and it's you know it's never ending that that quest to you know get to know yourself is, is never ending and we're learning every day and you know the all you can really do is try to be better tomorrow and that's whether you're an athlete or an entrepreneur or, or just an individual you know just trying to trying to uh, optimize your your experience in life i mean that's really what it is you just got to try to do wake up tomorrow with a renewed sense of hope and purpose and energy and just try to try to better yourself i mean that's all there is there's not there's nothing else the day before is really relatively meaningless and tomorrow isn't isn't a given so we you know like everything we've got to just make the most of today absolutely you know taking care of yourself allows you then to take care of others so it's a important to you know do some self-care and you know mentally check in with yourself uh throughout you know every, every day on a daily basis mm -hmm. awesome okay andy appreciate it uh you know there's a lot of things here with uh verbero that i will be you know kind of promoting because i do think what you guys are doing is awesome and especially for the women's game i know they're it's a big hot topic right now uh, so I'm just excited to see where you guys go and I'm, you know, if there's ways I can be involved, I think it's a great opportunity for myself and our company as well. Absolutely. And you let me know, I, I'm, I'm happy to come back anytime and, you know, we can, we can push this in a multitude of different ways and make it very interactive with your customer base too. So just, just let me know I'm, I'm on board with you. I love what you're doing as well. And, uh, I think it's a, I think it's a great, uh, great alignment that we have. Awesome. Appreciate that. Yeah. I will, uh, I'll be in touch, Andy. Absolutely. Sounds good. Okay. Yep. Take care. You too, buddy. Bye. Bye. Bye.